Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the symbolic usurping of authority as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. To go into another man's concubine, even though the other man was dead, it was symbolic of, of taking over his authority and his rule. You remember later on in David's career when Absalom, his son, rebelled against him and David fled from Jerusalem as Absalom was moving up from Hebron with his troops. And David deserted from Jerusalem. When Absalom came into the city, he went into David's concubines there in in the sight of all the people, went into where David's concubines were, which was equivalent of, of ascending to David's place and taking over David's place. So the accusation, you've gone into my father's concubine, why did you do that? was equivalent of saying, what are you trying to do? Take over my father's place. And Abner became extremely upset with this false allegation. And he was very angry with Ishbosheth. And he said, am I a dog's head which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father and to his brothers and friends? And have not I delivered thee into the hand of David that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? And I have not delivered thee into the hand of David. You know, look what I've done for you, and yet you're making this stupid allegation. So do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so I do to him. Now notice, He knew that the Lord had sworn to David that David should be the king. In spite of the fact that he knew that the Lord had sworn to David that he should be king, yet he had gone against that in establishing Ishbosheth upon the throne. So it was something that he knew was wrong, and yet he did it. And so I swear to David to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan even to Beersheba. Now Dan is up in the furthermost northern part of Israel. It's where the Jordan River comes right out of the ground and begins its course southward. And uh, Beersheba was on the southern extreme just on the border of the wilderness from which area south, it was just desert wilderness area. So it sort of circumscribes the northern and southern borders of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner a word again because he was afraid of him. So Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make a league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring about all Israel to you. And he said, well, I will make a league with you, but one thing I require of thee, and that is thou shalt not see my face except you first bring me uh, Michelle, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. 
Now, Saul had, of course, done a dirty deal to David, and, and he had promised David his daughter as a, as a wife because of the killing of the Philistine. He promised whoever kills the Philistine giant, you know, you can marry my daughter. And he gave his daughter Merib to another fellow because he was jealous of David. And then he heard that Michal was uh, in love with David. He said, ah, she's a you know, little vixen. She'll really fix him, and so I'll let him marry her. You know, And he was really planning to let her just be an irritant to David. She's probably a self-willed, strong little gal, and, and he figured she'd really give him a bad time. And so he allowed David to marry Michelle. But when David fled from Saul's presence, then Saul gave Michelle to another man, Fatiel, and, uh, and he became her husband. But this other guy was really crazy about her. But David sort of, and this is not, you know, a lot of David I admire, and there's some that I don't admire, and this is one part that I really don't admire. He, he almost is vindictive in this point, or he's just, you know, wanting almost to just prove something, which he really doesn't need to prove. But he, when Abner sends a message and said, you know, I'd like to make a league with you, I'll turn all Israel into your hands and so forth, he said, that's fine, I'll be glad to, but you can't see my face unless you bring Michelle, who was his wife. Now, as I pointed out, he had already taken many more wives in Hebron, had a bunch of concubines and wives, and, and it wasn't really because of some sexual deprivation or whatever that he was wanting this gal. It was just to prove some kind of an ego point or something. And so David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife. Michelle, which was a spouse to me for the dowry that he had given to Saul for her. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Fatiel, the son of Laish. And her husband, and this is a sad scene, because evidently he liked her. And he went after her, weeping behind her to Behurum. And then Abner said to him, go and return. And so he returned. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel saying, you sought for David in times past to be the king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord hath spoken of David saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. So he knew that David had been anointed of God and that God had declared that through David they would be delivered. So Abner also spake in the ears of the tribe of Benjamin, and Abner went also to speak in the ears of David and Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David, to Hebron, 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king. And they will make a league with thee that you may reign over all that your heart desires. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop. Now, at this time, Joab was gone when Abner was down here. And there was this bitterness that was being harbored in Joab's heart against Abner because Abner had killed his brother. So when Joab came back, the guy said, did you know that Abner was here? And he made a league with David? Joab said, nah. 
You sure? Yeah. And, and so Joab sent men after Abner saying, you know, come on back. There's some further things to discuss. And so Abner returned and Joab met him in the gate and said, here, I want to talk to you and took him into a place and ran him through the heart, through under the fifth rib, which is where the position of your heart. And so he smote him under the fifth rib and he died in the blood for the blood of Ashahel, his brother. Now when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on his father's house. Now here David actually curses Joab and his house for this deed. It's cruel, it's vindictive, it's wrong. And David acknowledges the wrongness of it and he curses the house of Joab. Horrible curse. Let there not fail from the house of Joab one that has an issue or that is a leper or that leaneth on the staff or that falls on the sword or that lacks bread. Man, he really wiped him out. You know, let there be a plague upon his house. Let them be crippled. Let them fall by the sword. Let them become beggars. Let them be destitute. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain their brother in Gibeon. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, tear your clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourn before Abner. And David followed the casket, and they buried Abner there in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all of the people wept with him. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a fool dieth? Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so you fell. And all the people wept again over him. So David is giving a public demonstration of his disapproval of Joab's deed. So that everyone knew that David disapproved of the thing that Joab did. Cursing Joab and Joab's house for it and putting on a big demonstration at the funeral and lamenting over the death of Abner. And when all the people came to cause David to eat meat while it was yet day, David swore, saying, So do God to me and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun has gone down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them. And whatsoever the king did pleased all the people. Now David was behaving himself very wisely and allowing God to work to establish the kingdom with him. In other words, though he knew that he had been anointed by God to be king over Israel, he figured if God anointed me king and God wants me to be king, God is able to work out the circumstances. And so David isn't in there trying to work things out for himself. He's letting God take care of all of these things. 
He's behaving himself very wisely he's, uh, and prudently, and the people are noticing it and are really being attracted and drawn to David because he shows that he does have a heart and he does desire the right things. And he's not really out promoting himself. Now, in one of the Psalms, we are told promotion comes not from the east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. And David really believed that. He wasn't out trying to exalt himself or promote himself. He was just waiting for God to do it. That's an important lesson. It would be good if each of us would follow the same thing. It seems that so many people are out to hype themselves and to hype their programs. And the world is filled with big hypes. Everybody trying to hype everybody else, you know. But David was not seeking to promote himself. He was just waiting upon God and letting the things fall and letting God do it. Having that kind of confidence in God, if this is what God wants, this is what God is able to bring to pass. How beautiful it is to have a commitment to the purposes of God, knowing that if I just stay open and yielded, God is able to work his purposes out in my life. And not try to push things or press things because I know that this is what God wants. I know that this is what's right. So I get in and I push and press and I can actually push myself ahead of God and out of the will of God. It is better that I just kick back. All right, God, that's what you want. I'm open to it. I'm ready for it. But I'm going to let you work the thing out. And it is so much better when God does the promotion. I look at what God has done here. Without any full-page ads in the paper, you know, and radio ads and big hypes and all, look what God has done. It's absolutely phenomenal. Years ago, when we were still over in the other church, God was pouring out his spirit and blessing us. And so many at that time of the hippie kids were coming in and receiving Christ. And it was sort of a novelty as far as the news media was concerned. And, of course, CBS had been down and done a story, and uh, Look Magazine had done a story, and there had been a, a lot of Reader's Digest did a story, and there was just a lot of publicity going out. BBC, the German uh, broadcasting system, magazines in Europe, magazines in South America, everybody. In fact, <laughs> I was in Israel uh, up in uh, Kifar Giladi, and a Frenchman came up to me, and he said, you wouldn't happen to be Chuck Smith, would you? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, brother, this is exciting. He said, I read about you 10 years ago in a magazine in France, and I saw your picture, and I thought I recognized you, you know. <laughs> hey, I thought, all right, 10 years ago, and you still recognize me, you know? <laughs> so all of this publicity 
And, and we weren't, you know, out beating bushes or, or, or trying to, you know, it was just, it was there. And of course, people were coming then to see the hippie church and, and the Jesus people and all that. Well, I read in Time Magazine, it had a big write-up on Black's Beach down in San Diego, 20 kids stripped to the buff and went swimming. And it made, you know, this big article in Time of, of these young people in California, the drug scene and new bathing and all this kind of stuff, new public bathing and the whole thing. And, and it was a big splash because there were 20 kids down at Black's Beach in, in San Diego that swam in the buff. Well, it so happened that we were having a baptismal coming up at Corona Del Mar. And there were about a thousand kids to be baptized. And I thought to myself, I ought to call the religion editor of Time magazine and tell him that other things are happening in the beaches of California than just a few kids swimming in the nude. That's some exciting things. You got 20 kids swimming in the nude, but you got 1,000 kids who are being baptized, committing their lives to Jesus Christ. And if 20 kids swimming in the nude uh, were worthy the article in time and, and all space and time, surely 1,000 kids being baptized ought to be worthy a little article in Time magazine also, sort of as a contrast, you know, kind of an article. And as I was driving home, I was thinking about well, I just need to call the religion editor of Time Magazine and let him know what's going on. Because he could maybe send a reporter out and, and cover the story, and it would just make good good story for Time. And as I was thinking this, driving home, the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, who has been your publicity agent up till now? And I said, well, you have, Lord. And he said, aren't you satisfied with the job that I'm doing? <laughs> you've been in Look Magazine. You've been in Reader's Digest. You've been on CBS and NBC. Aren't you satisfied with the job I'm doing? I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. How stupid of me uh, of, of thinking to, you know, call somebody to try to get some, you know, publicity to what is happening here. And I just repented and asked the Lord to forgive me for even thinking of trying to publicize what God was doing. I got home, and there was a stranger in my living room, which wasn't unusual in those days. <laughs> and so my wife said, honey, this fellow is a reporter from Time magazine. And he's been sent out here to do a story on the Jesus people. And so the fellow introduced himself, shook hands. He said, do you have anything like a baptism or something coming up that you know that we could? <laughs> I said, oh, Lord. You know, you're just always a step or two ahead. You don't have to get out and hype something. You don't have to get out and promote. and You don't have to get out and spend a lot of God's dollars in advertising. God is able to do his work. And how good it is for us to rest 
in God. Now, when a person strives to attain a goal, and you achieve and attain your goal by great strivings, big hypes, publicities, and all of this kind of stuff. When you strive to attain, then you must strive to maintain. You know, you got this big ball rolling, but now you got to keep pushing to get the, keep the thing rolling, you know. And it's a constant striving, constant effort, and, and the ministers are just dropping off with heart attacks and everything else because so much push, so much pressure. But when you don't strive to attain, then you don't have to strive to maintain. You can just kick back, go to Hawaii once in a while. God's going to keep the thing, you know, if he wants to, and if he doesn't, then all of our efforts isn't going to keep it anyhow. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 3 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord... Keep his hand upon your life, and may he open up your heart and your mind and your understanding to the things of the Spirit, and thus may you live in that place where God can bless you as he desires to bless you. May you keep yourself in the love of God as you walk in fellowship with him this week. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time. And I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. 
Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 272 9673.